0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could. But how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi.
2: Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by Ariana Taboada. Ariana is a maternal health consultant for entrepreneurs She works with seasoned entrepreneurs who are just about to be moms for the first time with the goal of making their maternity leave and their transition to motherhood smoother. Ariana, I'm so excited to welcome you to talk about this really important topic that we don't hear enough of.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me, Hamda. I'm excited to be here.
2: I know that in addition to the background you have in working on women's reproductive health issues, you also bring some really important personal insight in being a business owner yourself and also a mother to a beautiful 11-month-old boy.
3: Yeah, I've been in business in this iteration of my work for about six years now, and my 11-month-old actually turned one year yesterday. (laughs) Congratulations. Congratulations.
2: Thanks. Drawing on this personal experience, what are some of the strategies and tools that you use to help female, female entrepreneurs plan for their transition into motherhood?
3: Sure. So I, I like to always start off the conversation with... Um, with the acknowledgement that, you know, that motherhood is is something new, but that as a business owner, you've done lots of new things before, likely. And so the same way in which um, some of the, the challenges or barriers in business um, have, have a learning curve and have, you know, those moments of frustration before you feel like you're Found your flow in whatever it is, I like to make that comparison or analogy with motherhood that it, that it is a, uh, a new, um, Journey that requires the patience to, to frame yourself as a learner. Um, I think you know, in in so much of society, we just we have messages about you know, especially working motherhood, being able to balance everything, and it's it's a skill that can be learned. Um, and and learning what you can balance or hold on your plate at any given time is, I
2: think, uh, an important. Start to the conversation. Do you find that women are surprised about the type of service that you offer? Because there's coaching work in so many different areas, and we don't always hear about it being precise to planning for this transition period.
3: Yes, I, I do get a lot of wow, I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> and you know as uh, even in the health sector I'm I have a master's in maternal and child health and it's a very niche profession within the larger health professions framework. So even there I, I had to navigate my way when I was in a you know, formal health center settings and so that's translated over to the business world and and really having to clearly, uh, identify what it is that I do, why I do it, and I—I I mean, I specifically take um, a uh, health as a human right approach to my work and and frame the work that I do in supporting new mothers um, and especially working mothers, business owning, mother, business owning mothers um, as, as a women's rights issue, as an equity issue, as an economic justice issue, because, you know, women entrepreneurs contribute in a lot of different arenas to, to the world. And so I think it's important to have, uh, to have the support for, for a population that gives so much.
2: Absolutely. It brings to mind, interestingly enough, as you're emphasizing the contributions of women, I think about also male partners. And I wonder if the work that you do extends also to men in, in terms of the conversations that you have with women. Do, do they bring up issues that their significant others are going through around the transition?
3: Yeah, I yeah yes is the short answer and there's so much to dive into with that question. Um, I, I do you know, I more recently started actually um, offering the option to bring your partner on to a session within you know clients that I work with within a series of of sessions um, to offer that opportunity to bring the partner into the conversation because you, you for for most of the clients that I work with, they're not doing it alone. And so they do have someone who um, is embarking on this journey with them. Um, and I think both in terms of work and also in terms of, kind of postpartum health, mental health, um, it's, it's vastly different experiences with male and female partner, but there is a transition period for, for dads
2: as well. How do you find that difference having recently, more recently, it sounds like, invited the option for females to bring also their partners in compared to when you were focusing really just on the female entrepreneur?
3: Right. I think especially because the type of women that I tend to work with are that very type A, very ambitious, professionally career-minded types that um, that having the postpartum period just have so many things out of your control is for some partners the first time that they've seen Um, that they've seen this this woman that they've known as you know being being in charge and having a handle on everything um, have really seen someone in survival mode someone like that who typically has it all together and so really being able to tease apart um, you know what is on the spectrum of normal for anything from um, you know Hormone-related things, waves of sadness, waves of grief, uh, waves of happiness as well. Uh, being able to distinguish what's um, what's you know pretty standard in the postpartum package, and what might be a red flag or a warning sign that that their partner could use the the support of a professional. Um, whether it's, you know, a, a primary care physician, an OB, or a mental health professional. That's, that's one example that's very clear in my mind of, of helping partners figure out how to support um, their spouses and, and what the different types of support looks like when, it, when, when showing up and, and being a shoulder to cry on is enough or when you might need to, to act as a conduit to, to greater professional care.
2: Such great points because it's true that a partner can feel thrown off as well, just like the female entrepreneur would feel thrown off by experiencing themselves out of their element in some ways or in a different zone that feels less certain. So I think that's such a wonderful support that you're offering is that when you bring two people into the conversation, it helps to facilitate their growth and alignment with one another and then their mutual understanding and empathy in the situation.
3: Yeah, and to to really normalize uncertainty, right? There's so many things that um, the transition brings, but the the hallmark of it is kind of the the constant. Uh, unknown. <laughs> and so being able to to respond and adapt to that kind of ever pervasive, you know newness um, at every at every turn uh, and normalize that is is a big part of the work that I like to be able to to bring both partners in on.
2: And you talk about the various layers of support for the postpartum period that are really important, the physical, Uh, the social issues as well psychosocial spiritual tell us a little bit more about how you help your clients to address the different levels
3: Sure thing. Well, this is where I really rely on my background as a social worker. And I use a tool that uh, I love. And if you're, you know, I know you have a, a mental health uh, background. And so if, if you're listening, and I've and heard of the eco map, that's the tool, the number one tool that I go to. Uh, if you haven't heard of an eco map, it's, it's, Uh, a visual tool where you map out your support networks using uh, concentric circles. It looks like kind of layers upon layers of of circles. Um, And we, with clients, you know, we walk through it. We put... The person, the the client at the center, the mother at the center, and we really go through the different layers of who do you have in your life, who is taking care of your physical needs. A lot of times, that's that's your primary care provider, your your OB, your midwife, um, folks like that, and then we expand out to the different layers. Think through who's there for you if you have. Uh, any mental health concerns, that could be things like local support groups, or it could be a maternal mental health professional in your area, it could be your, you know, group of close friends who you want to be able to, to rely on in that postpartum time. And we work out from there, kind of identifying, you know, the, the family, the friends, the community level supports and the professional support.
2: I would think that is a big relief going to that exercise because you were talking about business owners, right? Having these managerial capabilities around setting a map out for themselves, for their business. And so if you can do the same thing for yourself during the transition period, it brings more of that experience of grounding.
3: Definitely. And one of the other things I love is that because you visually can see what your support network looks like it also provides the opportunity to really clearly see where there's gaps or missing links in, in that network. And so if, if there's no one in your, in your professional layer of support, then that's where we think, okay, this is where the work can be done. And, and you know, the homework begins and we think about what are some of the professionals who you might need, a lactation consultant, uh, a doula, uh, someone, and, and it spans from kind of the immediate, birth related or, or breastfeeding related issues to more of the, the home sphere. So if you know if you realize that you really do not want to be cleaning or cooking for yourself in those first few weeks postpartum, then you bet we, we identify if there's um, you know a house cleaner that needs to be put on the map or a, a group of friends who can prepare your meals and put them on the map.
2: So what effect do you find all of this has thinking through, oh, and sometimes people don't even connect with those needs until they step back and they think about them. Because I know that in the eco-map, you also draw out what a person's vision is, what you would like to experience, words that you, you might associate with that postpartum period. And also take a look at the relationships in your life, as you were referring to, and some of them that also might be a little bit difficult and how you can uh, set boundaries around those.
3: Definitely. So it is, um, it is a very kind of comprehensive dive into thinking about postpartum and it can, I've, I've have had the experience with clients where it's like, whoa, this is so much to think about. Um, and, and it is interesting when that arises, because usually that that response is, um, and it's so much to think about and plan for myself in addition to everything I'm doing to get ready for the baby. So a lot of times they've been doing lots of work with baby registry and uh, looking at pediatricians and planning for their birth plan, looking at hospitals or birth centers, um, and they completely forgot to plan for being taken care of, which is what the Ecomap really gets at.
2: That's so interesting, right? There's so many details involved in preparation and I guess we say you say as a mom your your focus shifts to your kids, so I suppose that's true before you even give birth, right? That you were you were talking about setting up everything for the baby and already forgetting about yourself.
3: Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of universal lessons uh, of like you said the the theme of all of a sudden realizing, you know, when was the last time you did something for yourself? And, and so I like to frame it as an opportunity to, to pause and, and think about, you know, mom-baby trajectory or as a unit in, in the sense that what is supportive for and ensures that the mom is healthy usually leads to great outcomes for the baby. Um, so I frame it as that, um, that really taking care of yourself Leads to uh, the great the great experience for your child.
2: What are some of the common needs that you find emerge when you're doing the eco map?
3: I think top of mind is always knowing who I can go to for. Um, X, Y, or Z things. So a lot of times I'll hear fears about what if this happens? What if breastfeeding doesn't go as planned? What if I have a really hard postpartum recovery? What if I have pelvic floor issues? And not being sure, where you can get that type of support and so a big part of what I do is, is on the educational side of breaking down these are the types of maternal uh, or postpartum professionals that exist uh, and that can help you with those very
2: specific needs. So essentially you're lining up your team as you're coming yeah. into the process. exactly. Is there anything else that you would add on this topic? We have just about 30 seconds before we go into a commercial.
3: Yeah, I would just end by saying that uh, too much support never hurt anyone. Too little support I have heard gone wrong, and I've seen it gone wrong. So I like to err on the side of let's plan for more support. If you don't need it, fine. But if you do need it, then it's there for you and you've mapped it out.
2: So on the topic of support, we'll delve into that in a little bit of a different way. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we return, Ariana will share pointers on how you can figure out your new normal, so to speak, and find your flow again as an entrepreneur mom. Stay with us.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables
5: you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com.
1: Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hemda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan. By contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page.
2: We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by maternal health consultant Ariana Taboada. Ariana consults with female business owners who are just about to become new moms to help facilitate their integration of motherhood and entrepreneurship. She talked about a tool called the Postpartum EcoMap, which can help you to identify and put into place the different layers of support you need during this big life change in order to meet your physical, psycho-emotional, social, and spiritual health needs. In this segment, we'll look at how you can figure out your new normal after pregnancy to find a productive flow between work and family. Arianna, you mentioned one issue that you address with soon-to-be and new moms has to do with their expectations of themselves around productivity, so I'm curious about how you approach this issue with entrepreneur moms. Sure thing.
3: Well, the first thing that comes to mind with this topic is always sleep deprivation. And so thinking about uh, an, an experimental period after you've given birth, and I frame it as kind of a transition period. When you start going back to work and are trying to find your groove again, Um, to frame it as an experiment. So a lot of times we go into the work day or the work week or the month with a very specific list of what we have to get done. Um, And so I encourage stepping away from that approach uh, when you're you're in the postpartum period. And as you begin to think about what your new workflow is like, really taking the time to try out, um, you know, working at different times of the day, um, trying out a child care provider without a without having a high stakes um, event. So you know, as opposed to um, you know, this is a great example. As opposed to your first activity back after you're having your baby being a podcast interview, um, having having the stakes somewhat low, and think about okay, let's let's do some guest blogging maybe, and something that you can adapt your workday around so that you aren't really push back into working at a capacity that you were before, but can instead explore what a realistic capacity is for you now, knowing that it, of course, will will change as your baby changes and it'll change as, as you know, from a on a day-to-day basis based on um, a variety of factors, sleep being one of them.
2: Right, so it sounds like a part of it is to encourage yourself to rethink the structure of your work in terms of the layout of your day and not not kind of push yourself to take on a structure that was similar to what you had before, but just see wh- what your rhythm is, what your baby's rhythm is, and you might have to shift your work hours somewhat.
3: Right, I mean, some people find that working during nap time is works great for them, and other people find that when the baby naps, they really want to nap as well, <laughs> and so what? You know what? Then what happens to work time? So again, framing it as an experiment of sorts, I've found to be helpful in uh, in approaching that uh, new new working rhythm um, with a sense of curiosity, as opposed to something that you have to to meet
2: and and live up to. It makes sense since you were also talking about. In our conversation before today, actually before our show, that the perceptions you have before you give birth may be different than, than after birth, right? Some things you, some of your own preferences, you may not be able to anticipate.
3: Exactly, I think there's a lot, you know, the again the profile of the planner. There's a lot that we. Uh, anticipate may, might happen. There's a lot that we hope might happen. But at the end of the day, you know, your your baby is not the same planner that you are. And baby might have other plans.
2: <laughs> what do you find along those lines? Maybe some of the surprises that new moms experience in terms of their preferences before before giving birth compared to after giving birth? I think the,
3: uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out the, the best way to, to frame this because it it's there's so much, and I'm speaking from my personal experience here too, that there's so much happening with a new baby, yet there is so little happening at the same time. So it's, you know, there it's a very kind of monotonous uh, busyness compared to uh, an entrepreneurial lifestyle where you, you know, might be uh, really excited about the work that you're doing um, at when I found that when entrepreneurial minded women are in the postpartum period, it can often be like, there's so much to do. And yet I feel so bored. <laughs> Uh, But when it comes to child rearing activities, because it is, it's very much like keeping a, keeping this small thing alive. Uh, It's not that exciting, but it, it, it requires so much of your, of your attention and, um, without there being, like, a huge win at the end. Um, I mean, keep, keeping a kid alive is, is no small feat, but, like, that is your gratification is, um, you know, is my newborn safe? Are they well-rested? Are they fed? Okay, I did great today. <laughs>
2: Right. It sounds like basically those maybe seem like simpler accomplishments relative to what what many female entrepreneurs are accustomed to, as you framed it, you were talking about in terms of tangible outcomes.
3: Exactly, being able to see that your work culminated or resulted in something that you can be proud of—the um, the newborn days just don't have that same that same factor. <laughs> so it's very much what I what I call kind of the yoga of survival. Can you do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy and alive, and your newborn healthy and alive, um, while? you know, approaching it with kind of a, a, a mindful attitude as opposed to thinking about um, a, a culminating or great outcome.
2: It, it seems as though it's very much an in-the-moment experience, right? There are these small miracles and amazing things that happen when you're observing your kid in the moment since they change so much. At that age, they can change Definitely. so rapidly. Exactly. What else would you say in terms of expectations of self comes up a lot in your conversations with entrepreneur moms? I would say the kind of the
3: illusion of balance <laughs> so that the terminology is thrown around so much and you said it really beautifully um, when you introduced us after the commercial break to talk about integration. Um, so as opposed to how do I balance these multiple roles, um, the the expectation that on any given day uh, one role might be more dominant than the other. You might have a day that really is kid-focused, and you might have uh, another day, or even down to the hours or minutes of, of the individual days, where you are really in your your entrepreneurial flow, and, and everything is moving forward in your business. Um, and I, you know, I support women in in figuring out how to um, how to do some kind of division of of those two roles both in terms of um, of logistically how can i how can i not try and do both at the same time so something like childcare is a very practical tangible solution to how do i um, how can i not have to be on as a mom while i'm on as a business owner and trying to do my work that's one example
2: that makes sense that you have some separation of responsibility Rather than trying to focus on both at the same time, which can leave you feeling very unsettled. Yeah,
3: and and really normalizing that all moms—you know, stay-at-home moms, working moms, women who work in the home, outside the home, in corporate settings, in entrepreneurial settings—that um, that the. The things on your plate are, you know, it's a lot to acknowledge that you're doing a lot at any given time. And so getting support for helping. Take care of some of those things on your plate. So whether that be delegating at work or delegating in the home, that that is okay. That there's really no need to to load it all up and carry it around on your on your back all by yourself. Um, That again, the the support networks are so key.
2: When you talk about delegating, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's a very important management competency. And so this is great timing to talk about a point that you made as well when we were speaking before the show, which was about transferability of skills from business into motherhood.
3: Exactly. I mean, there are so many things that transfer, like you said, if you have run a business where you have had to think about, you know, what, what can I and only I do versus what can be either automated or a system built around it, delegated, outsourced completely to someone else, um, then, then, you know, you've done this before. And that's the connection that I like to point out when working with with new mothers who have run businesses, is um, you that you have the skills you've you know you've been able to identify what's highest priority for yourself in a workplace setting. So in motherhood, think about what's highest priority and 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 make sure the rest is taken care of, but don't let it all be on your plate. Again, coming back to the delegation piece.
2: I like the way that you're framing it. Because it becomes very clear when you take a look at the skill sets that are important for you as an entrepreneur and where you tend to focus your attention on playing to your strengths and also playing to areas that you want to develop. But it, you can make it clear to yourself and to others, like you said, what you need help with. Do you, you think that there's a tendency when you become a mom that you need to do more yourself when it, when it comes to your child. You think that that's also a place where women need to maybe expand their perspectives? That it doesn't take anything away if it's not you doing everything that relates to your kid.
3: Yeah, I think there is a for me the media narrative is is pretty cl- like crystal clear around. Um, around women, kind of this modern woman who does it all. And, you know, there's the the image that comes to mind is like a little cartoon with women literally juggling a million things in the air. Um, And I really come from the place of can... Like to what to to what degree is that uh, a healthy balancing act versus when does it just become stressful and potentially harmful to your to your health? (laughs) Um, And so to really think instead of um, piling, continuing to pile on things, what is something that you can cross off your list? One of the really simple exercises that I have clients do when they're First coming back to work is, you know, you usually start out with a to-do list for a week. And what is one thing that you can really cross off uh, every day and cross off? I mean, I don't mean you literally doing it and then crossing off. I mean... Deciding that that really is not something that needs to be prioritized or needs to be done by you at this given time. That your bandwidth would be better spent doing something else. So let that thing go. Delegate it. Forget about it. Pass it on to someone else. Um, and and let your let the energy that you have have kind of the think of your energy as as limited. And so make your decisions and make your priorities based on what. Um, will have kind of the greatest impact, whether it's whether it's related to business or life or health or or
2: parenthood. I've seen that super mom image with the woman, <laughs> yes. the woman in the cape, and then, like you said, you have all those visuals. You have the dog, you have the shopping, you have the baby, and so it's that idea then that it's that can be kind of a glorified super image, and you can still be a super mom, and really work through that whole idea of the Balancing Act and, as you're mentioning, offer some of those responsibilities to others who can help you out.
3: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the definition of super mom is, has to be tailored to whatever you and your family need at that moment. So someone else's, one person's super mom is not someone else's super mom. So, so really being able to define that for yourself I think is important.
2: It offers a lot of creative license, right? Because it's that whole idea that of your experience of what family life is like, that it's something, as you're mentioning, that you decide for yourself what it's like. And we grew up with uh, family life being a certain way. And at the same time, you can recreate it in ways that align more with who you are in and, and your relationship with your partner or, or if you're a single mom uh, then, however, however you would want to define it. Agree completely. We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we come back, Ariana will address a topic that can be taboo or unspoken when it comes to becoming a new mom. She'll talk about the experience of loss and grief that often accompanies this exciting life transition. Stay tuned for more.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy.
5: Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com.
1: Are you a professional athlete, a retired athlete, or other top performer who's seeking a new career? Explore how to transfer your talents and mission into a rewarding business with the expert guidance of Hemda Mizrahi. As a performance coach and generalist consultant to entrepreneurs, Hemda will support you and your family in your next major professional transition. Create a winning game plan. By contacting her through lifeandcareerchoices.com. That's lifeandcareerchoices.com. listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now back to Turn the Page.
2: Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi speaking with maternal health consultant Ariana Taboada. Ariana works with seasoned entrepreneurs who are just about to be moms to support their productive integration of work and family life. She discussed how entrepreneur moms can establish their new normal after pregnancy in order to find their flow. In this final segment, we'll explore a topic that's not as much in the public rhetoric, specifically the grief that can come from the losses which accompany the gains of motherhood. So Ariana, what are some of the losses that you help entrepreneur moms to work through?
3: So I, the first really salient example that comes to mind is identity. You know, if you have spent so much of your your adult professional life developing uh, developing your business and your identity around this business, a lot of times to have that go from your primary identity to to having your primary identity be mother <laughs> can be a huge shift um, and can be challenging to, to, to deal with because you go from one day to the next day, literally a, you know, a, a 180 degree shift in, in how people see you and how you might see yourself.
2: Right, you wake up into a new reality, essentially. Yes. How do you help women work through that? I know that's a complicated question.
3: (laughs) It is. There's lots of layers, but again... I think it can come down to some of what I mentioned earlier on the recording as as framing, reframing, and approaching things with a sense of compassion and curiosity about the new experience. Um, and so figuring out what motherhood and what being a mother means for you takes time. Um, and, you know, that time isn't built in to to the biological process. You you literally go from you know being a pregnant woman one minute to being a mother the next minute, um, and. And so allowing the time that doesn't exist biologically, but allowing the time um, on more of a, a mental level a, and a social level. Um, so allowing yourself to, to figure out how you want to approach parenting on kind of a nuts and bolts level. How do I want to deal with this situation? Breastfeeding is, is comes to mind as a, as a key um, example or feeding in general, figuring out what you what you bring to the table in terms of your values, your preferences, your your decision making and letting that guide uh, how you approach um, the, the, the many to-dos of motherhood as well as more of the you know, the mental processing or the reframing of what does being a mother mean to me. And for that, I often like to frame it as, you know, just having a sounding board, having someone to talk to about what motherhood means. Um, And a lot of times what I see is, is that motherhood, especially the postpartum period, is associated with with a difficult time period, with the not-so-great emotions, with lots of challenges and uh,
2: kind of emotional ups and downs. And so that's what comes out oftentimes then in your conversations is some, uh, in addition to the joy of becoming a mom, which for some women can, can uh, take a lot of time and work to get to the point of becoming a mom, then the reality is you're dealing also with emotions that, that are more difficult. Yes, definitely.
3: And you know, I, I, as I listened to you talk, I was, I was thinking, you know, man, we could, you know, in the very extreme end of the spectrum is where you get into. Uh, mood disorders, so postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but there's a whole layer of of uh, not you know subclinical <laughs> ups and downs that you know that have to do with emotions and hormones um, that are that are not in the depression camp or in the anxiety camp, but they're just not normalized. So things like grieving your independence. Um, the ability to, you know, get up at any moment and go out and have a coffee, or get up and go to the grocery store without thinking twice—like really small <laughs> things that you would not identify before having kids as being important to to your to your life, to your independence—are um, become very kind of glaring in your face examples of um, how you no longer can just. Make 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 off the cuff or or on the whim decisions.
2: Realities that are under the umbrella of adjustment. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Adjustment pains.
3: Yeah. You know, if anything, I think you know, getting into the mental health world here. But if anything, I think you know, adjustment disorders are like the perfect way to talk about postpartum period and a new motherhood and adjusting to
2: being a mother. Well, I can appreciate the incredible value that you're bringing just in listening to how you see the different issues playing out that women feel that they can be very honest with you about what their experiences are without feeling judged. And there's so much knowledge that you bring to the table, as you're, as you're saying, in terms of what many women go through to normalize
3: the experience. Yeah, it's it's really been my privilege to be able to work in a field um, where where we can talk about some of these things um, that are not always in in the public rhetoric, as you said.
2: Um, I also hear in how you're describing you work with your clients that it's a really data driven approach because you're helping them. Through the eco map and in other ways to be able to tap into their values, their own ability to self direct in the experience and to look at what kind of parent they want to be. And I would think that that helps also with giving yourself permission to make certain concessions to yourself that make a big difference, that make you feel good, that enable you to feel supported, like along the lines of independence. If having that morning tea or a cup of coffee with a little bit of quiet time is so vital to you, then you can make arrangements, right, to have a little bit of help maybe during that time to allow yourself those minutes that can help you to feel fulfilled and nourished. And taken care of. It doesn't take a lot of time, but if you find that that makes a big difference for you and that could be part of maybe what you might lose temporarily in terms of independence, but you can gain that back. Definitely.
3: And that's a great example of the being able to find the flow. So being able to find those anchors um, and identify what what can help you integrate that, you know, that previous identity with this new identity, as opposed to, you know, feeling like it's completely lost? Um, taking the time to grieve—I'm a big fan of that. You know, acknowledging that um, there there are uh, seasons, so to speak, that there might be times where you really might not have much much of the things you used to enjoy, and that would really. You know, make your day start off wonderfully. That there might be weeks or days where that doesn't happen, but that, like you said, you can begin to map out and can visualize and and then take action to to make sure that you have a roadmap to follow to to find what works for you.
2: I can see also that saying those types of things out loud. Some of the things that ha- that have been a little bit sucky for lack of a better word, that that can help also to kind of lighten up the situation and have a little bit of humor and be able to connect with people around those relatable and universal aspects of becoming a mom. And, and it also helps you make that transition to acceptance in terms of the changes that are happening in your life. That you, ca- you can mourn them, as you're saying, but if you don't get a chance to mourn them, then sometimes it's really hard to make that shift where you open yourself up to the joy of the change.
3: Yeah, I mean, some things are just hard, right? At the end of the day, there are some things that are not fun and hard and, um, and you know, being able to say, okay, I can do hard things or I can do really not fun things, I can do sucky things <laughs> um, and going from there.
2: Now, how does it work in terms of your timeline for working with a woman? So you mentioned that you, you start after the first trimester generally?
3: Yes, I, I really love kind of the usually the wave of energy that second trimester brings um, and have found that that for women who are thinking about how to make a maternity leave plan for their business as well as for themselves, um, that that often gives enough lead time to, to really implement things.
2: And then how does that extend? Because I'm imagining that, you're constantly having to make adjustments as your child changes, as your child gets older, the needs are a little bit different. So what's the lifeline through which you work with your clients? Yeah,
3: I have the kind of postpartum period is really where I specialize. So Thinking of uh, what's called in in the literature right now, the fourth trimester. So the first three months after giving birth is where really where my 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 own strengths lie in terms of working with women. Um, so that is uh, kind of a typical time frame. Work with anyone. Um, work with someone anywhere between the second trimester to that fourth trimester. Um, and I have worked with women kind of all the way through the first postpartum year, um, just because people, you know, after establishing a relationship, people will come back and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this new thing now, and I know I haven't talked to you since uh, my kid was three months old, but now that he's eight months old, I'm wondering if if we can reconnect and and work on this now. So, I have had those uh, experiences. It's not the typical um, trajectory, but uh, I also know that um, sometimes as women get really Back into their business. That sometimes a referral to to a business coach, uh, someone who works exclusively on their business, um, with with the women, is sometimes what they need. So being able to make referrals when I need to, or being able to to identify when I can truly serve someone, again, is is the type of um, the type of opportunities that that I love to to you know. Assess and see what, what might be the best
2: fit. You help women get to that period that where the baby finally sleeps through the night. <laughs> yes,
3: hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Those, I guess that's, it matches up, right? It's, that's, that's at least what I've been told. I don't have the personal experience yet, but over that three-month period that you can encourage to, uh, a baby to sleep through the night, and I suppose that that's a period also it's that whole 90 days, right, that we can apply in different contexts of transitions that uh, people reach a point where, I guess, the newness becomes less new and they're able to, to shift into a new sphere.
3: Yeah, I like to, I like to call it something that resembles routine. <laughs> By that point, you have something that resembles a, a working routine.
2: That's a great way to frame it and that's the new normal i guess it's right it's it's the new routine that you come up with yes ariana i want to thank you so much first of all for the incredible work that you do i know that it has to be amazingly valued and i appreciate so much that you came on the show to share some of these techniques and these insights so thank, thank you for you. that
3: yeah, it's been it's been wonderful to talk through some of these details. It's it's not too often that you get to to step back and really reflect on what do I do and how do I do it and how how does how can I communicate it in a way that makes sense to others. Um, so thank you for for holding that space.
2: Yeah, and congratulations also for building up to meet such important needs. Thank you. So I'd love for you to share, actually, as we're wrapping up, a soundbite about the 100 Businesses Baby Proof Project that you're working on and how listeners can find out more about it.
3: Sure. Well, I am... uh passionate about as I mentioned before the the framing of maternity leave um, and and the needs of women entrepreneurs as as a social justice and a human rights issue so the the 100 businesses baby proofed project was born out of that uh, that analysis I'll say of knowing that we can do better in terms of having public, narratives and conversations around what it means to be a working mother when you own your business. So it's a project where I just offer 30-minute conversations with women who are uh, planning on getting pregnant or who are currently pregnant, and I offer a space to talk about the challenges that you may be running into or the fears that you may have running through your head Um, and think of it as as a partnership and an opportunity to dialogue about um, what can what can we do to to set ourselves up for having a maternity leave that meets our needs and the needs of our business and allows us to contribute, uh, continue contributing to to the economy, to social change, uh, and to our
2: families? Fabulous! And I want to actually provide two links. So one, these are both extensions of your website. So. If you go to arianataboada.com, and that's A-R-I-A-N-N-A-T-A-B-O-A-D-A, and then you do a backward slash 100, the number 100-businesses, with an E-S at the end, dash baby that's B-A-B-Y-P-R-O-O-F-E-D. You can find out more about the 100 Businesses Baby proof Project, And Ariana is also very generously extending a workbook that includes the postpartum ecomap that we talked about. So if you go to her website, arianatabuada.com, backward slash expecting dash entrepreneur, you can enter your information and then access that. If you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. As always, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page.
1: Thank you for tuning into our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.